Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and I love A Course in Miracles. (laughs) And I am so happy to join with you today. Our topic is resurrection or crucifixion. Resurrection or crucifixion, you decide what you'd like to experience. We get to choose. We're responsible for what we see and what we choose. So let's dive into this with a prayer to begin. So let's take that breath of love and gratitude. So grateful, so thankful to join together and to recognize the pure love and light that we already are. So grateful and thankful to recognize that regardless of how often we choose crucifixion, we can go the other way and choose resurrection. Regardless of how long we have suffered and whatever betrayals we have experienced, it is time for the resurrection. It's always time for the resurrection. We are grateful and thankful to lay aside any attraction we have to playing small, to living in lack, attack, limitation, crucifixion, separation. We're laying it aside. We're laying it on the holy altar fire of God's infinite and perfect love. And we are willing to release any attachment we have to these limiting thoughts, beliefs, ideas. We're grateful to set ourselves free into the unprecedented, into the unlimited. We are partnering up with that higher Holy Spirit self, and we are choosing resurrection, sharing the benefits with all our brothers and sisters, everyone, everywhere, all beings, because we are united forever. In gratitude, we let the healing be, and so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. So in in the text, uh, Jesus tells us in chapter 14, section 3, the decision for guiltlessness, paragraph 4, he says to us, each day, each hour and minute, even each second, you are deciding between the crucifixion and the resurrection, between the ego and and the Holy Spirit. The ego is the choice for guilt. The Holy Spirit, the choice for guiltlessness. The power of decision is all that is yours. What you decide between is fixed because there are no alternatives except truth and illusion. So here we have uh, crucifixion, or resurrection, truth and illusion. And there is no overlap between them because they are opposites, which cannot be reconciled and cannot both be true. You are guilty or guiltless, bound or free, unhappy or happy. The miracle teaches you that you have chosen guiltlessness, freedom and joy. It is not a cause, but an effect. It is the natural result of choosing right 
attesting to your happiness that comes from choosing to be free of guilt. Everyone you offer healing to returns it. Everyone you attack keeps it and cherishes it by holding it against you. So, and then it even says, whether he does this or not will make no difference. You will think he does. So even if someone is not resenting us, we will think that they do if we have attacked them. That's how it works in the ego thought system. So the miracle teaches you that you have chosen guiltlessness, freedom, and joy. It is not a cause, but an effect. The miracle is an effect of choosing guiltlessness, freedom, and joy. It is an effect of extending love to our brothers and sisters. Each day, each hour and minute, even each second, you're deciding between the crucifixion and the resurrection between the ego and the Holy Spirit. Now, what does this really mean? How do we apply this to our life? Because sometimes it just seems like, oh, Jesus, I really don't know what you mean here. And I was speaking uh, on a related topic on Sunday at my Sundays with Spirit, which is at the Power of Love Ministry, we have a Sunday service that we started doing in April 2020, and we've been doing it every Sunday. Everyone is welcome. It's totally free. You just have to register uh, and sign up so we can send you the Zoom link. Or you can watch it um, on Facebook Live uh, on the A Course in Miracles podcast fan page at Facebook can watch it there live too but if you come to the zoom then you can join in the discussion and that's always a wonderful thing so uh i was speaking on sunday about this topic of crucifixion and i i've shared about it before because it was such a healing realization to me some years ago when i realized i can't actually choose the resurrection until I am no longer choosing the crucifixion. And the crucifixion is a process. That's how I perceive it. So first comes betrayal. We could say first comes trust, uh, misplaced trust, and then betrayal, and then crucifixion. And what I've seen so many times with people, because I'm a spiritual counselor, been doing it for more than 20 years, 22 years, in fact, uh, at this point, I have worked with so many folks who are struggling, they can't get to forgiveness because they're in the crucifixion. And forgiveness is the full release. And that allows us to move into resurrection. So it's incredibly powerful and helpful and healing. And that's something I'm really dedicated to and interested in is helping people move out of crucifixion into resurrection and using forgiveness to do that. For many of us, our attachments to blame, to shame, to regret, to resentment, to guilt are so, so strong, we need a process of forgiveness in order to loosen our grip on the, the guilt and the shame and the anger and the hurt that come with unforgiveness. So unforgiveness is the crucifixion in, in many ways. So Jesus, in A Course in Miracles, says that all betrayal is self-betrayal. There is no other. So who is going to betray us but ourselves? Betrayal is really a perception. It's a projection. And one of the big things that we all experience is we have expectations of people 
and situations that don't go the way we think they're going to go. They don't go the way we'd like them to go. And we're very attached and invested in how we'd like them to go. And then when they don't go that way, we feel betrayed. So betrayal can be in so many different ways. The 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 ones that feel big and uh, in a sense almost life-threatening uh, are when somebody dies, when somebody has an infidelity, when somebody steals our life savings, or when someone is raped. These feel like giant, shattering betrayals, ego-shattering betrayals. And if we can be willing to see that all betrayal is self-betrayal, we can move out of the anger and the hurt to a place of true forgiveness because we have to forgive ourselves first and foremost for the meaning we've made of it. And I've, I've said before that some ways that are examples are because it's so common in my experience to work with people who've been sexually molested and abused and tortured as children, and it's it feels impossible for them to forgive. The betrayal feels so huge to them. They get to the, 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 the healing through recognizing that they are judging themselves that they should have done something different. They should have screamed. They should have run away. They should have, should have, should have, should have. They should have, would have, could have. And it's that ongoing self-judgment of the child self, the, the, the younger self, that is the thing we have to forgive. Thinking that we could have, would have, should have done something different, but we didn't. And that we brought it upon ourselves. No child would willingly bring it upon themselves to be sexually molested. They don't understand what is going on and what is happening. And many, it's so complex. It's so complex uh, emotionally and mentally. And so... The way out of that kind of difficulty and from any kind of betrayal that we had as children is to step back and say, I don't know what anything is for, but I'm not going to judge myself anymore. I am going to give all that punishing judgment to the Holy Spirit for healing. I'm going to partner up and I'm going to practice self compassion. So I am not betraying myself anymore with the self-judgment. So going back here, each day, each hour and minute, even each second, you are deciding between the crucifixion and the resurrection. So in the Sundays with Spirit, I gave an example of uh, Sunday morning, I was at a uh, a sacred fire ceremony for the April new moon. And um, in the place where we do the the circle around the fire, it's this sacred place. And uh, there are some benches there. I don't find them comfortable. And there's a shed nearby that has some more comfortable chairs. And most of the, those chairs I don't find comfortable but there are one or two two or three chairs that I do find comfortable and I knew I was going to be there for hours so I went and got one of the comfortable chairs out of the shed and uh, we are going to be sitting in meditation for some time and etc so I got the chair I set it up uh, in where I wanted to sit I was actually manning the camera for the zoom so that other people around the world could participate in the fire ceremony and um 
I was at the Sunray Peace Village, which if you've been listening to this for a long time, you know that's why I moved to Vermont. I've been coming here uh, since 2006. So um, someone came into the circle, a friend of mine, and uh, they brought one of the uncomfortable chairs to my mind uh, with them, and they set that up. And then uh, they we did some... People were getting ready with the fire and uh, people were moving around and figuring out where they were going to be during the ceremony. We're getting ready to do ceremonial dances. And my friend went and picked up my chair and moved it to the other side of the circle, put her coat and her purse on the chair that I had selected, leaving me the uncomfortable chair. And so I'm getting to the crucifixion here. So I looked at that and I thought, hmm, what do I do here? Do I say something to her like, oh, that that was the chair I brought from the shed. I can't really leave the circle. I'm doing the Zoom. Can you give me that chair back? Or if you'd like it, could you bring me another chair? Just thinking, what are my options here in this moment? And I thought... If I said anything to my friend, she might, even for a nanosecond, feel bad that she had taken my chair, feel apologetic for unconsciously taking my chair, or because my chair was red, her chair was green, and they were built entirely differently, they're totally different chairs. She didn't notice. She might feel bad that she had done that, that I had to say something. I didn't want her to feel bad. It didn't matter that much. But I also thought, ah, I don't really like sitting in those green chairs. It's uncomfortable. And had I said anything to her, which my younger self, my 20-year-ago self, not only would have said something, I would have made sure she felt bad about it. I would have, probably. Uh, I would have absolutely have said something like, hey, uh, I don't know if you realize you took my chair. I'd like to have it back. Um, or why did you take my chair? Do you not like your chair? And I, I would have done something because that's how I used to act. I needed to make everybody aware of their mistakes and to punish them a little bit. Therein lies the crucifixion. Right there. Crucifixion is a punishment. And it's so helpful for us to realize when we are tempted to punish someone, even if we don't say anything. I I could have been mad at her. I could have resented her. 20 years ago, I would have. Probably. I would And so then, after I had punished her, even if I only did it mentally, whether I recognized it or not, I would have felt guilty for having done that. It would have triggered the unconscious guilt, which does need to come up for healing, but it doesn't have to come up for healing in a painful way. As Jesus makes it so clear to us in the Course, we can learn through pain or we can learn through joy. And as he says here in chapter 14, section 3, paragraph 4, each day, each hour, and minute, even each second, you are deciding between the crucifixion and the resurrection, between the ego and the Holy Spirit. The ego is the choice for guilt. The Holy Spirit, the choice for for guiltlessness. The power of decision is all that is yours. What you can decide between is fixed because there are no alternatives except truth and illusion. So truth is the resurrection, illusion is the crucifixion. Whenever we crucify somebody else, we are then going to feel crucified. It has to be that way. What you 
do unto others what you would have done unto you, because what you do to others will be done to you. This is how life works. We are deciding. This is what he says. In every second, you are deciding between the crucifixion and the resurrection. So, I didn't say anything. I sat and I sat in the green chair, but I did not anticipate that I would be uncomfortable, that I wouldn't like it, that it would bother my back, or any of the other things because I was not interested in experiencing crucifixion in that way either. I was not interested in being the chair martyr. Not at all. Not interested in ruining my experience anymore. But I used to be. I would have been the chair martyr. If I hadn't said anything 20 years ago, I would have been instead the chair martyr. I would have picked crucifixion for myself. I would have betrayed myself with that self-crucifixion. Just as I would have betrayed myself if I had said something to my friend. Now, I'm sure there are many people who would say, but why not speak up for yourself? Why not say something? Instead, what I did was I went to my mind, all is well. And I was broadcasting that, extending that, sharing that, all is well. She can have the red chair I can have the green chair, and I can be comfortable even in the green chair, although in the past I have not been comfortable in the green chair, and I didn't like it. Everything is being made new here by the miracle of choosing the resurrection. And I'm talking about this in part because we're so close to Easter. And the crucifixion is on my mind because the resurrection is on my mind. And we cannot begin to experience the true resurrection until we feel complete with the crucifixion. And one of the things that Jesus tells us in A Course in Miracles is nobody has to go through crucifixion ever again. That was my thing. It's not your thing. Don't do it. Don't choose it. It's pointless. It's absolutely pointless. But crucifixion and betrayal, they're right in there in that mix of feeling betrayed and being a punisher, being punished and being a punisher. Whenever we punish someone else for whatever for taking our chair, something so innocuous and unimportant. Whenever we punish somebody, we are betraying ourselves and we're betraying them because there is only one. We're not choosing the resurrection when we choose to punish. And... Because I speak with so many people, what I know is the pattern to punish people in our relationships is so strong. The pattern to punish people in the restaurant, in the store, on the phone because, oh, they put us on hold too long. Now I'm going to punish them, you know, uh, because they took too long to bring us the food now i'm going to punish them i'm going to make them feel bad for it so i see how strong that pattern is in my mind i still see oh there are times when my mind goes to punishing and i've been talking about it a little bit in this podcast that people go to punishing Putin for the war in Ukraine, for for punishing Ukraine. So we have an opportunity to break that pattern and instead to pray for him 
And that was one of the strong messages of Jesus' life. Pray for those that despitefully use you. Pray for the ones who hate you. In King's, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech, Loving Our Enemies, he tells us, Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Love is the healer of all discord. Discord is the absence of love. It's when we choose the crucifixion instead of the resurrection. And so that is the thing that will change this world and so that no one sees any enemies anymore is love. And our deep practice of loving the one who we could call an enemy, it redeems not only them but us. And it's practicing the second characteristic of God's teachers, which is honesty, which is what Jesus calls consistently, let's see, to be consistently loving, no matter what, whether the person offends us or not. Oh, it's so powerful to really see the value of making this choice. Well, it is time for me to move into a break and... Just before I go, let me say, I'm Jennifer Hadley, and you're listening to A Course in Miracles podcast. We're walking the talk, we're living the love, and I will be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, living the love, walking the talk. Welcome back to Course in Miracles. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and this week we are talking about resurrection or crucifixion. What will you choose? <laughs> what is the decision that you're making? I also like to just tell you very briefly some events that are coming up at the Power of Love Ministry. I've been doing some classes on the Enneagrams, and we have another one coming up on Thursday, April 14th. The ones that we've done, you can get the downloads. I have found that the Enneagrams are super helpful in disidentifying with the ego and re-identifying with that higher Holy Spirit self the I Am Presence. So if you're interested in that at all, check out what we're doing at jenniferhadley.com. You can go to the events page and see there. Also, next week, Karen J. Gardner will be back. She's my guest again. She's going to be doing a class also at the Power of Love Ministry entitled Each Miracle of Joining. It's all about choosing the power of oneness. And her classes are a deep dive into the practical application and living of A Course in Miracles and that series on uh, the miracle of joining the oneness is uh, beginning on Saturday, April 23rd. And then I am doing a four-part series on the power of prayer and how to use prayer effectively the way it's taught in A Course in Miracles and in the Song of Prayer, which is one of those booklets that's an addendum to the course that Jesus gave to Helen Shookman. And uh, I invite you to check that out. Many, 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 many people have told me that learning the power of prayer and being able to have prayer as a spiritual tool in their spiritual toolkit has been life-changing for them. And indeed, it has been the most life-changing thing for me. And uh, Jesus in the Course tells us that prayer is the medium of miracles. So medium meaning like a soil. It is the, the fertile ground where miracles are grown. 
That's what prayer is. And don't I know it. So this is one of my favorite things to share. Come and join me in the Prayer Power classes to begin Monday, April 18th. All right, all those details for all those classes, jenniferhadley.com on the events page. And as we're coming up to Easter here, we're looking at crucifixion and resurrection. One of the things for us to recognize is that because of the unconscious guilt that is the the cause of the separation thinking, uh, we look to be treated unkindly, unfairly, to be betrayed. We look for that. It where our our ego identified mind is on the constant prowl to see that unfolding in our experience. And we seek and we find, right? Because we don't see what's really there. We see what we wish to be there, which is why taking responsibility for what we think we see is the way out of hell. So what one of the things I've learned is every time it seems like a betrayal, the self-betrayal is to interpret it as a betrayal instead of this is helpful to me. Now, certainly in my life, <laughs> this pattern of the mind to wish to be unfairly treated to look for reasons to take offense. This was one of the strongest patterns in my mind. I was constantly looking to defend myself, and I was constantly attacking. And because I was constantly attacking, I constantly felt guilty and therefore was defending myself. And so I expected to be unfairly treated by my family, by my friends, by my boyfriends, by the bank, by the restaurant, by the Starbucks, by everything and everyone. I just expected it all the time. And so when I saw it, it would give me that feeling of, you see, there it is again. It was a constant reminder of my belief that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't lovable, that there was something wrong with me, and that's why it kept happening again and again and again. Now, of course, now I can see it wasn't a reminder of the belief that I wasn't good enough, that something was wrong with me, and that's why people were so offensive. Instead, now, of course, I know that my experiences were the outpicturing of my belief, not the reminder of my belief, but the evidence of my belief, the outpicturing of my belief, because that is how it works in the illusion. You'll see it when you believe it. I believed it, and so I saw it everywhere. And being unfairly treated in restaurants, in hotels, in schools, wherever I went, it was happening again and again and again. I had no clue, no clue that this was an experience of my own false beliefs. Now, that's one of the reasons why I find it so comforting and valuable to know and to recognize that those who choose to be lovers, lovers of life, lovers of our brothers and sisters, those who choose to be loving are invulnerable. So, walking in the world now, I don't take offense. So, in the experience I told you about uh, in the first half of this episode about my friend taking my chair, I knew she didn't realize she took my chair. And it might seem like, how could she not realize that? She put her chair in one place, I put my chair in another. My chair was red. 
and black. Her chair was green and silver. My chair was designed in one way. Her chair was designed in another. How could she not realize that she took my chair? Who knows? It doesn't matter. I mean, maybe she thought, who who cares? The chairs are, chair is just a chair, right? That, that would make sense. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. I did not need to be offended because no offense was given. And even if offense was given, even if her whole thing was to undermine me, to put it in my face, that she could take my chair from me and it just didn't matter because I didn't matter. Even if she believed those things, even if she thought, you know what, I'm going to take this chair the hell with Jen. If she wants this chair, this is a better chair than the one I have. I'm going to take this chair. And if she wants a different chair, she can get a different chair. I'm taking her chair. I don't care. Even if she had thought that actively, which of course she did not. But even if she had meant to offend me, meant to disrespect me, disregard me, hurt me, where I am now in my mind, I can see that as a cry for love and answer it with compassion. Because that's how I maintain my peace of mind. I, I'm not interested in being vulnerable to the pain and suffering of taking offense. I took offense millions of times and I remember exactly how uncomfortable that felt. So even if someone is going out of their way to be offensive, even if someone is going out of their way to betray me on some level, to wound me, to hurt me, I now am in a place in my mind where I can pray for that person to be restored to their loving heart. Because obviously they would not act that way if they hadn't been wounded. And I am here to be truly helpful and to help the people who are wounded heal the wounds. And I can only do that if I am being loving. Because hate cannot be cured or canceled by anything other than love. And so that is what I am interested in. And I think this is one of the things I shared the other day at Sundays with Spirit. There have been times in my life when I have just gotten down on my knees and wept with great relief and gratitude because I didn't have to return an attack with an attack, that I could go to compassion instead of taking offense and being hurt and being angry. Many times I have wept because I saw I could go the other way, that I was capable of that. Not that it was possible, but that I was actually capable of it and not interested in attacking. Am I there 100% of the time? I am not, which I freely admit. I'm not ashamed of that. I am so, so grateful that I can see it at all, any time. And some, at some point, I will see it every time. And I look forward to that, but I am... Super duper grateful that I am where I am right now. Because not only do I have peace of mind, and I'm more aware of it with every passing day of just how peaceful I am. And no matter what other people are doing, I can be at peace most of the time. I, I'm so grateful for that. I'm so interested in demonstrating it in assisting others who are interested in experiencing it and demonstrating it too. Because when we can model it, that actually 
is a broadcast of healing in the mind, and it ripples all over the world. So think about when you get offended and when you get hurt and how you might act out about it. And see if you can envision yourself going the other way. Not dragging yourself the other way. Not even repressing your feelings. Because that's, that's not helpful. But being able to recognize, I, I don't feel hurt. I don't feel offended. I don't feel angry. I am here to answer the cry for love. I am here to be truly helpful, and I can be, and I am. And feeling a deep sense of gratitude that those old patterns of crucifixion, they're not happening anymore. So again, in order for us to experience that resurrection, we have to make a decision that we're done with crucifixion. And I, I could easily say that I made the decision I was done with crucifixion before I actually was done with it. And I can still see little slivers of crucifixion in my mind, little slivers of I, I, having a an impulse to punish somebody for something, to see them punished for their unkindness, for whatever. But when I have these thoughts now, they're so different than the thoughts I normally have. I recognize it right away as being a foreign object in my attention, in my awareness, in my mind. And I, I don't want to invest in that anymore because I know what it brings. And I, I'm just interested in being at peace now and broadcasting peace and harmony and joy because I do feel that is how I get to be truly helpful. In that responsibility for sight section, chapter 21, section 2, uh, right before Jesus has the part where he says, so paragraph 2, it says, this is the only thing that you need to do for vision, happiness, release from pain, and the complete escape from sin all to be given you. Say only this, but mean it with no reservations, for here the power of salvation lies. Here's what you say. I am responsible for what I see. I choose the feelings I experience. And I decide upon the goal I would achieve. And everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for and receive as I have asked. That's all we have to say and mean it with no reservations to escape from all the hellishness in the illusion. And in the paragraph before, the first paragraph of section two here, which is the responsibility for sight in chapter 21, he says, we have repeated how little is asked of you to learn this course. It is the same small willingness you need to have your whole relationship transformed to joy. The little gift you offer to the Holy Spirit for which the Holy Spirit gives you everything, the very little on which salvation rests, the tiny change of mind by which the crucifixion is changed to resurrection. So, this responsibility for sight is how we go from crucifixion to resurrection in our mind. That is exactly what he's telling us here. This is how we liberate. We choose resurrection instead of crucifixion. And we do it by taking responsibility for what we see and for what we choose to feel, and what our goal is. Is our goal to attack, to defend, or is our goal to wake up, to be truly helpful, 
to resurrect, to be happy? What is our goal? Because we're going to make choices that are in alignment with our goal. And in fact, you can determine what your true goal is by looking at your choices. Are you choosing liberation? Are you choosing salvation? Are you choosing resurrection? So resurrection is something that happens in the mind where we liberate from feeling separate and we recognize the unity of all life. That is the resurrection. We realize that we are not a body. We have a body, we experience the body in this world, but no matter how intense our experience of the body in this world is, we're still not a body. So Jesus, when he walked the earth, he demonstrated the power of forgiveness, taking him from the crucifixion to the resurrection and the ascension. Right? So the resurrection was the demonstration that the body could be revived, restored, and then the ascension where he actually departed this world. But remember, first he resurrected, rolled away the stone, walked around for several days, and then he ascended in the light. He didn't have to ascend in the light, but he was there to show and demonstrate certain things. That's what his life was about. One of the things that I was saying on Sunday that I've probably said in this podcast before is that, I mean, do we honestly think that Jesus could have been captured, tortured, crucified, and killed if he didn't intend to be? Come on. Of course he couldn't and wouldn't have gone through that if it wasn't his intention. But you see, it's the perfect way to demonstrate he's not a body, is for a crowd of people and all the people he loved him, he loved and who were so close to him to witness the murder of the body and then to see him and touch him in the restored body. Remember, he raised his brother-in-law, Lazarus, from the dead, right? He was three days dead when, by the time Jesus got there. And he said, get up, Lazarus. Get up, man. That's why I love that scene in uh, The Matrix when uh, Neo is shot multiple times. He thinks he's dead in The Matrix And Trinity says to him, get up, you're not dead, get up, right? It's just in the matrix, it seemed like he was dead, but he wasn't really dead. See, all these messages from the Holy Spirit coming to us all the time. And think about this, every time our mind goes to punishing someone, like if I had punished in any little tiny way, reprimanded or let it be known that my friend had taken my chair. (laughs) I keep saying my chair, but really not my chair, the chair I had chosen. I would have been punishing her in some way. I would have been. I would have been. And that would have been that crucifixion moment. And I would later have felt guilty or ashamed. Maybe not directly related to the chair, but for sure something else would have triggered that. And that's the way it works. That's why we can learn through joy or through pain. It cost me nothing to say nothing. It cost me nothing to not make anybody wrong. She didn't make a mistake. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. In the words of Bill Murray in the movie Meatballs, it just doesn't matter. 
Let's focus on what matters. And what matters is the only thing that's real, and that's love. Only love is real. Nothing unreal exists. And nothing real can be threatened. So it's simple. It's not complicated. It does require us to make that decision that we are no longer a victim of the world we see. When we feel like a victim of the world we see, we will go around interpreting things as a betrayal, and then we are going to want to punish other people. We're keeping the crucifixion alive in our mind, and we are pushing away the opportunity for resurrection. So we really do have to make this decision that we are done with the crucifixion in order to move into the resurrection. And we don't have to study A Course in Miracles. We don't have to read the text. We don't have to practice all the lessons perfectly. We don't have to do anything in order to make that decision. You know what? I'm tired of the res- the crucifixion. I'm not interested in it anymore. I'm interested in exploring and discovering and knowing the resurrection. Holy Spirit, make it so. Make it so now. It doesn't have to be a process. Healing does not have to be a process. We can make it into a process. Why would we want to make it into a process? Because we'd like to try to control it. That's why we make it into a process, to try and control it in some way. We don't need to do that anymore. And in truth, learning how to pray effectively and to to use affirmative prayer and to understand the power of prayer and the methodology of prayer that really works that is taught in A Course of Miracles has been one of the greatest gifts of my life. You know, it can seem daunting to try to truly live A Course of Miracles, but we get so much energy back that where it once seems daunting, now it's just pure liberation all the way. It's not exhausting. It's not tiring. It, it It's not overwhelming anymore. It's just a path of liberation and we can go faster and faster until we're like uh, one of those um, bobsleds in the Olympics. We're just flying with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> ah, Thank you for joining me today. If you'd like to know any of the details of anything I'm offering, go to jenniferhadley.com. We are grateful to bless the whole world with our life and to be truly helpful. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen, amen, amen. Mwah.